anytime I'm trying to control my outer world, it's because I don't feel like I control my inner emotional world. So when, and that's why we control food. That's why we control people. That's why we try to control our circumstances. Control freaks at their core just can't control their emotional pain because they don't understand it. And so that's why we try to always say you will never have any authority in your outer world until you have authority in your inner world. You're listening to episode 92 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. glad you're here with us today because today I have a very special guest. We're going to work today on moving from our head to our heart in all areas of pain and mud and adversity and whatever it is, the small mundane things, the big deep things. We're in this together and we have a special person who's going to help lead us through. Krista Black Gifford is here with us today. She's a wife, a mom, a worship leader. She's a multi-platinum selling songwriter who's written songs which I'm sure you would recognize. Songs like One Thing Remains as recorded by Passion and Forever recorded by Carrie Job, and so many more, so many more that I couldn't even mention them all. Um, she has also shared the stage with many artists including the Jonas Brothers, Michael W. Smith, and she is also an author and speaker who's recently released her second book into the world entitled Heart Made Whole, Turning Your Unhealed Pain into Your Greatest Strength. Krista, what a gift. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. Well, I resonated so much with your message, and I'm so glad we got connected, and I can't wait for you to lead us through this topic. But before we get to all of that, I would love it if you would share with everybody a little bit about your family, where you live, and some things that you love to do. Okay. Well... I live in Nashville, Tennessee, but I'm a native Texan. Okay. Place that you claim for the rest of your life. Once a Texan, always a Texan, right? Yes. So I live in Nashville with my stud hub, as I like to call him, Lucas. And then I have a four-year-old. His name is Moses Gray Lionheart Gifford. We went all out on the name. And then my my second daughter, or my first daughter, my second child, her name was Luca Gold. We called her Goldie, and she's in heaven with Jesus. And then we have Birdie James, who is my daughter, who is almost one. And I am 17 weeks pregnant with baby number four that we just found out is a girl. And we're naming her Luca Joy after her sissy Goldie, who's in heaven. And Beautiful. my middle name is Joy. So that's me. That's my clan. And okay. I like baths. I really like baths at all baths. times. I don't have to be pregnant to like a bath. I'm, I'm a bath girl. I okay. mean, if, if the house doesn't have a bath, it's a deal breaker. <laughs> and, and it has, does it have to be a certain type of bath? Like, does it have well, to have those jets in it or anything? It doesn't have to have jets. I'm just almost six feet tall. So I have to be able to pop my knees out. And yeah. so that means like a long bath. Okay. And then I... And any special rituals with the bath? I mean, does there need to be a book or a candle or bubbles or like what? What's the routine? Zero. I just want to soak at the end of every day. I love it, especially when I'm pregnant. And uh, my favorite thing is getting a massage. That's my favorite thing in the world. If you can press on my body where it kind of hurts, then I'm a happy camper. And I like to... um, I like to guilt my husband while I'm pregnant into massage. So I'll be like... (laughs) I'm carrying our child. Can you just press here really hard? <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it because I can so identify. Mm-hmm. For there you sure. Go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, you are no stranger to adversity. And um, this podcast is called Mud Stories, and we talk about the mud. And I know mud is something uh, that you are familiar with. So, not to highlight the pain necessarily, but just to give us an understanding of where it is you've been that has led you to the journey of this ability to help us 
get our hearts made whole too, because pain is, is no respecter of persons. We all have pain. And if, if you don't think you have pain, you probably are just in denial about the fact that you do have pain. Right? <laughs> That's why everybody, people go, who needs your book? I'm like, well, everyone, right? because everybody has heart pain that yes. usually they've covered up hidden or in, are in denial about. And so, yeah, that's the thing I've learned about, you know, with uncovering my pain in such a big way, people, they go, I had no idea that I was carrying around my pain from childhood mm-hmm. and that it was, you know, if you look at your heart like a building, the, the, the layers in the beginning are kind of the foundation. And so if fear was part of the, the foundation of your building, like it was mine, fear kept you know, building upward as my life built each year, year upon year, fear became like a running theme. Rejection became a running theme. And so many people, we think, well, this is just the way life has to be. My family's always been, uh, we've always been accident prone. We've always had financial disaster. We've always had abuse. We've always had anger, whatever it is. And you, you begin making allowances for things, not realizing, oh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm living with something that does not have to be there. I'm living with heart pain that doesn't have to be there. So with my with my heart pain that started very early on in childhood, um, I am a, I'm a preacher's kid, was raised in a Christian home, a great home. And, you know, I talk about this in my book. There's two kinds of traumas. There's trauma A, trauma B. Trauma B are the things that you expect. Trauma B was the sexual abuse that I encountered outside of the home that my parents didn't know about. Those are the divorces, the abuse, the the big things that you think, yeah, that's super traumatic. But what most people don't understand, and this is trauma A, trauma A is the absence of all of the things that you should have received and didn't. So your heart, you're made in the DNA image of love. You were created to be loved perfectly, wholly, completely, but none of us got that. Mm. None of us got the emotional understanding that we needed as a kid when our mom was stressed out and cooking and we were crying, we stubbed our toe and she's like, come on, just get over it. We, you know, there are places, the absence of what you didn't receive can be just as damaging to the heart as all of the things that you, you know, that happened to you that expect, you expect those to be the things that mm-hmm. cause pain. And so I had a lot of trauma. I had trauma B in the, in the area of sexual abuse. That was a big one. But I had a lot of trauma A where, you know, our parents do the best that they can and wounded people wound people. So they give what they have. And, and sometimes it's not enough. You know, I, my perception as a kid was that I, I just, I, I was annoying and, you know, I, I, I didn't get a lot of nurture and it was harsh. And, you know, my mom, it's so funny because I say that and my mom, is, was one of my greatest inner healers. And later in life, she evolved and, and got so healed up that she became a part of my healing later on on in life, which usually doesn't happen. Mm. But as a 21 year old living in a West Texas town, she gave me what she had. And sometimes it wasn't enough. So the foundation of my heart in the beginning, I had fear, I had rejection, I had anger. I also had salvation. You know, I'm a preacher's kid. I got saved on the trampoline at like age three. You know, Jesus came in. The Holy Spirit came into my heart, illuminated my heart. My spirit portion of my heart was alive, a new creation. But that doesn't mean the soul portion of my heart was just instantly zapped into wholeness. And this is what we don't understand mm-hmm. as Christians a lot of times. We've got this war going on with the pain that we've experienced in the soulish portion of our heart. And then the spirit that's alive and well inside. So for me, the pain in the wounded section, the soul portion of my heart kept piling up because Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to get it reconciled. So what would happen? The fear of rejection, the fear of men, well, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I acted a certain way and what happened? I kept getting rejected. I kept having, you know, I kept attracting certain things because I believed it. My heart was so powerful. It actually was like a magnet pulling in certain circumstances. And, you know, so I'm in high school and I'm struggling with alcohol, with food, with drugs, anything to numb that pain. And this is what gets really frustrating sometimes in the church is that instead of Um, the church being a place where we can come needing a savior 
every day I need a savior. I didn't get saved once, man. I get saved. And I'm not talking about, I got my ticket to heaven. (laughs) Yes. But he saves me every moment, every day, places of my heart where I need to be saved from my anger, saved from my unforgiveness, saved from my pain. And we don't understand sometimes that, you know, we come with our ducks in a row to church and we think we got to keep them in a row. Otherwise we're going to lose our ministry platform. And so we hide these places of my life. I did it for years. My pain cried out to be numbed, to be silenced, and I medicated through substances like a lot of people do. You know, when, you, when you've been sexually abused as a child and you're sexually awakened, I struggled with perversion, masturbation. I mean, I talk about, sorry, I just talk no, about No, no worries. So talk about We're uh, real things here. in the church that we need to talk about. Well, because these are places where we live deep inside that, that the church, you know, God loves the church and I love the church, but sometimes the church as a whole, we have really fallen short in a lot of ways of acknowledging and validating and recognizing the pain that really is way down deep inside. And so then we get the message, well, we're not allowed to talk about that. That's like an off topic. So we think we're alone. And then it's that compartmentalizing that you're talking about. We just put it away, vault it up, right? That's what you're describing. Keep serving. Keep, and man, I was a production factory of good deeds for God. <laughs> all as a highly wounded individual. I mean, I was going to serve out all my issues. I was, I would get off the road with Michael W. Smith. I'd lead worships. You know, I'd read my Bible, pray, disciple people. I'd lead worship on the road. And then mm-hmm. I'd get on the bus at night and I would secretly binge and binge and binge mm-hmm. and struggle with perversion and masturbation. Why? Because the pain in my heart was not going to go away by right. me trying to ignore it and serve God Mm -hmm. and slave it out of me. I was stiff arming his love away going, I'm not worthy of love. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be lovable. I'm going to become lovable. I'm going to, I'm going to serve into my hand. There's so many wounded people on the mission field trying to serve out their homosexuality, Mm. trying to serve out their, you know, their, their deep, deep issues. It doesn't work that way. Pain, your inner pain does not go away on its own with neglect Mm -hmm. and, uh, shame. I hated my heart. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Shame and guilt. I mean, with all these behaviors of the try hard cycle, I like to call it, it's, it creates even more guilt and shame on top of the already existing pain that's underneath that's driving all the behavior as it is. And so then perfectionism can never be enough because we can never be perfect enough. Right. And never be enough. And it's just more and more pain piled on top of more and more pain. And then you know, and then you find yourself like me in rehab. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Many of us end up getting to this huge, 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 massive breaking point. That's, you know, a lot of the church would call the extreme sin, you know. Right. And uh, and then just the world comes crashing down. So yeah. for you, what did that look like? You know, you're on the bus, you're touring, you're riding, you're doing amazing things. But inside oh, feeling yeah. rejected and feeling lost. Talk, talk well, to us about that. On the outside, no one would have had a clue. And I had lived that way my whole life. You know, let me stuff down. If, if you look at, and I talk about this in detail in the book, the, the components of the heart mm-hmm. and this um, inner healing uh, ministry called Heart Sync. And you've got your emotional heart. You have your guardian heart. That's Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. And then you've got your function heart. And that's the property manager of your heart. That's the go therefore in the world. Like when this part of you is connected to Jesus, this isn't Martha, sit your butt down. This is, no, I'm connected to love and I flourish in life. I produce. I, I overflow. I can't help but tell people about Jesus. It's not duty. But for me, my emotional heart was so wounded. Mm. I hated her. And this is the, this is the problem that I see in most people who cannot connect to God. They go, I can't connect to God. I can't hear God. I can't feel him. I go, oh, that's just because you've avoided your pain. Mm. Because what do we do? I had demonized my pain. I hated my anger. I hated these emotions that were so, they were so volatile. They were so, you know, and if you look at your emotional heart, if say, let's look at it like a little girl. So I'm this abused little girl. I've been beaten. Does a little girl who's been sexually abused, does she have valid reason to cry? Yes. Yes. Does she have valid reason to hurt? Yes. And what do we do with our hearts when they hurt? Shut up. 
shut up, kid. Mm. I'm locking you. I'm binding. I'm gagging you. You rise up. Your screams, your pain, it keeps me from doing what I need to do to be loved. Mm. It keeps me from moving forward and performing. I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to bind you, gag you, and I'm going to put you in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I did that with my emotional heart as a Christian my whole life out of duty and service to God. I thought Mm. that's what I was supposed to do. Don't be angry at God. Don't be in pain. Don't be fearful. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. No, that would be weak, heart. right? You wouldn't be a good enough be Christian, right? 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I bound and gagged my emotional heart, locked it in the basement so I could keep functioning for God. But the thing is, that little part of me, that emotional heart that was created, that has valid reason for being hurt. That emotional heart will scream out. And this is where the volcano comes. This is where the breakdown comes. Because when you uh, tape an active geyser, that geyser will <laughs> yes. turn into a volcano. It doesn't It doesn't change the fact that there's pressure building mm-hmm. underneath the surface. And mm-hmm. that's where our nervous breakdowns come from. That's where our divorces, our midlife crisis, mm-hmm. our medication, our you know schizophrenia, all these things. And so then we just... We've been that problem as opposed to getting to the root of why we're broken in the first place. So my little emotional heart that I'd never listened to, I'd never nurtured, I'd never understood her, I hated her. And self-hatred at its core is just parts of your heart at war with one another. I mean, mm-hmm. I was at such war internally with myself that I had pretty much just shut off a lot, large portions of my heart because they were too painful and I needed to get cold. I have a lot of people who write in to me or after they've read my book or they, they listen to the podcast, they go, I have not cried in years. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I was right there with you and I had had to, you know, my, my heart had to grow cold in order to survive the pain. Right. It had to, but it, I always say that is a temporary solution to keep functioning so that you can actually get to the healer so that he can actually soften your heart. What does it say? I've given you an undivided heart. I will remove from you your heart of stone, scripture Mm -hmm. says, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So that's God going, I'll replace the hardness that kept you alive. You know, I mean, I, every day as a little girl, I couldn't live with the debilitating emotions of sexual abuse and continue functioning and going to school and laughing and playing with my friends. So it was a gift Mm -hmm. to be able to section that part of my heart off. But the thing is that little girl never goes away. Right. And what I found with a lot of Christians is that they think that if I just deny the pain of my childhood, if I just serve enough, if I just I'm on the worship team. If I, Mm -hmm. she doesn't go away. You have to turn to her and begin nurturing her like Jesus does. Mm -hmm. That is so key. And yet, Krista, so many of us don't do that with just the one little girl locked in the basement. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we numb and take a journey refusing to turn towards the pain and we create more little girls in the basement you know, and whether, more pain, more right, whether it be promiscuity or yeah. like, you know, self-medicating with, with people or food, you know, I know that's something that you struggle that's with a as Christian well. Drug. Yeah. 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 I had to put away alcohol and drugs, but let's have our potluck and just numb out. Right? I know about that. Right. Well, and not even overeating, but even not eating, you know, uh, oh, you know, yeah. anorexia, bulimia. I mean, it's all this effort to control the pain, right? Absolutely. Anytime I'm trying to control my outer world, it's because I don't feel like I control my inner emotional world. Hmm. So when, and that's why we control food. That's why we control people. That's why we try to control our circumstances. Control freaks at their core just can't control their emotional pain because they don't understand it. And so that's why we try to always say you will never have any authority in your outer world until you have authority in your inner world. There's a reason why Jesus could get up and say, peace, be still to the storm. The outer world had to actually obey the peace that he carried on the inside. That's, that is our inheritance Mm -hmm. as believers to stay connected to peace at all circumstances, but it can't happen as long as you hate yourself. So what did your journey look like? I mean, you were in a situation where one thing was leading to another, more numbing. Um, Take us through what that looked like for you to get to that place where you could turn to the pain. You know, I love it when people are a mess. 
I love it. I love it when people finally get to the end of themselves. I love it when people, I mean, my greatest breakthrough, I looked at my husband last night. I was like, we have gone through hell in the last two years and I would not trade it for the world because you can either use the worst moments of your life, harness that pain, run towards it and go, I'm going to learn everything I can in the midst of this Mm -hmm. fire so that I never have to go through it again. Or you can choose to numb up, get hard. And I promise the cycle will continue again and again and again out of God's love for you. You know, that's, that's what I love about the, the goodness of God. His goodness is that, you know, I kept looking at my life going, why do these things keep happening to me? Why do I keep getting rejected? I keep having these cycles of breakdown and addiction and relational disasters and I'm looked over, I'm not promoted. And, and, and I was a victim, you know, such a victim. This keeps happening to me. And finally, I sat down with one of the wisest men that I know, Graham Cook. He lives out in California. And he said, well, Krista, it looks like the only common denominator in the situation is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hard so truth, my broken right? heart, mm-hmm. hard truth, great truth, mm-hmm. turning point for me. The common denominator in all these situations was my broken heart and the fact that I didn't understand. I was a victim of all of my outer world. I didn't understand that as the landlord of my heart, I am in control of what gets to stay in here and what gets to go. I mean, God is not, he's, he's not insecure that he made you and me the most powerful person in our universe. I'm the most powerful person in my universe. Why? Because I choose through free will to default to the Holy Spirit every day or not. Hmm. I'm the powerful one in that situation. I would stand and worship. I go, God, zap out my eating disorder, you know, and you just wait for lightning to strike. <laughs> zap, <laughs> right? zap out my sexual dysfunction. Just do it. And I would get so angry at him because I took no internal responsibility. responsibility. Mm-hmm. None. I I was such a victim of God. I was a victim of the world. I I took no internal responsibility going, I am the powerful person in my Mm -hmm. universe. I have a choice right now to either keep defaulting to fear and bitterness and resentment and self-hatred or default today to love and surrender to the Holy Spirit. That is the power I choose. Well, because sometimes we let ourselves off the hook because we just get to blame God. That's the easier route out, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the easier route. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I chose... I, w- I was in rehab. That's what my first book, God Loves Ugly, really about is about my my food addiction and and getting fr- and and having total freedom from that. People always told me my Christian therapist said you're going to struggle with this for the rest of your life. I said I'm so sorry, you're wrong, because my Bible says something very different. It doesn't say if you've been sexually abused and you're going to struggle f- with an eating disorder your whole life. It says where Mm -hmm. the spirit of the Lord is, there is total freedom. Mm -hmm. So I knew that was available to me. So what I did, my marriage was falling apart in 2013. Luke and I was in full-time ministry. (laughs) As it so often happens. Uh, So often happens. So often. Uh, Was a, you know, slaver, striver, performer, Mm -hmm. still in a lot of areas. Didn't understand. Was completely unaware of my internal world. Didn't understand that the condition of my heart was actually determining the condition of my life. So Luke and I made a really rash decision. And, you know, this is what I always tell people. People will invest in a house. They'll invest in a car. They'll invest in a vacation. And so few people will invest in the most important place in the planet. And that is their heart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. If your body has cancer, you don't find any shame getting the help that you need from a doctor. But every person on the planet has a broken heart. And I don't understand why every person is not putting their treasure, their money, where their heart is and going, I want to invest in my breakthrough. Right. We got to deal with the internal world. Yeah. 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 We just, we just want it to happen. God zapped me. I'm going to take no responsibility. I, we put our money where our mouth was. We moved our family across the country from Los Angeles, California to Abilene, Texas, the last (laughs) place you want to go. And we went, okay, my mom, my mom and dad, they are skilled at their craft of inner healing. And my mom knows more about the heart than anybody I know. And we moved our family, we put our stuff in storage and moved our family in to a rental and started getting so much inner healing. 
going, if I am so offended at God, I'm so angry at him. I'm mad at him when life throws me into the flames. I don't understand my heart. And every day my mom and I would have sessions and we started going. This is what I love. Heart sync is the inner healing that we did. And, you know, she's a licensed professional therapist and my mom was like, you know, for us to logically with your brain, try to assess the problem and get you to rationalize the solution, it could take years, Mm -hmm. but one encounter with Jesus. So I know if we can get to your heart fast and let the Holy Spirit give you an encounter with him. I mean, God can put back the heart to, he puts it back together. Isaiah 61, he's come to bind up the broken heart so that freedom is the result. So I started meeting and having these encounters for the first time, the first encounter that I had, the first heart sink, I screamed at Jesus and told him how much I hated him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he went, finally, oh, right. fine. like, mm-hmm. I know you feel that way. Like I've been <laughs> waiting know. all this time. Waiting. Yeah, yeah. Um. Let's have an honest conversation so that we can actually move towards one another as opposed to you pretending like you're not angry at me. Right. Let's get real. Let's yeah. get, real. get real. And so I started building this internal capacity with my relationship, not with a book, not head knowledge, not I'm going to read this theology and I'm going to have, I mean, if 52 sermons a year changed us, we would not be a bleeding mess that we really are. (laughs) (laughs) It is not, it is not the head knowledge that changes us. It is an encounter with someone real, more powerful Mm -hmm. than our pain. And to not be afraid of feeling what we feel, right? We we have to go there. You gotta go there. My launch team, they're like, I feel so free my whole life. I didn't think I could be angry. I didn't think I could be fearful. I'm like, Mm. of course you are. Your your soulish portion of your heart is gone through a meat grinder. Mm -hmm. Of course it does. God is not afraid of your anger. The best place for you to project it towards is him. He can handle all of you. Right. So I started building this internal capacity with him for relationship. And then... Okay, before you tell me that, I want to hear what what your husband's impression of this move was and how he was dealing because you didn't do work alone I mean you your marriage your I want to talk a little bit about your marriage work because I think there are friends joining us today who that is their biggest painful struggle and yet a lot of that the root of that is our own individual internal pain right Right. so I know you've both been on your internal journey um, prior to March of 2014 so can you just speak a little to that before you move forward on what was next. I, I do have a gift of a husband because my husband is probably more skilled at all of this than I am. Uh, we, we both knew we're going to destroy each other. So if we're going to stay married and not ruin our kid, we've both got to make the commitment to actually do something. I know not everybody is in that boat. And so what I always say is here's, here's what we both had to do. We both had to say, regardless of whether you ever change, you're not my problem anymore. Mm. My broken heart is my problem, and it's my responsibility. I had projected all of my pain on him. If mm-hmm. he would just right. figure out what he's supposed to do in life and pay the bills on time and blah, blah, blah. And all I was giving him my power. My internal peace was all contingent on his change. Well, good Lord, you're going to stay yeah, ruined for the rest right. of your life. There is no hope there, friend. <laughs> no hope. No yeah. hope there. Mm-mm. So the best thing that Luke and I both did, we went, okay, you do you boo you know you do you <laughs> i'll do me you do you boo oh, you do you right and your issues are your issues my issues are my issues i'm going to quit projecting them onto you mm-hmm. i'm going to actually take back control of my heart because god made me the president of my heart he won't be the president he actually he he'll let me lease out land but <laughs> i'm the owner yeah. I'm the owner of my heart. I hold the keys. And if I give you my peace, if your behavior is contingent on my peace, I lose every time. Mm-hmm. So we just went, it's about my heart right now. It's about your heart right now. Mm-hmm. You, so you, you did individual you. work. You did individual we work. We had to do individual yeah. work. And that, and some people, you know, they need marriage counseling. We couldn't do marriage counseling in the beginning mm-hmm. because all we had a case against the other one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about the case against the other one. It was about... 
you know, what I found, and this is what's so great, the, the more that you do heart work and the more that you get internally clear, I'll realize anything that's bothering me about him is usually, he's a mirror to me. I, everything that triggers me about him, they're all the things that I hate about myself, Isn't that, that I've profound? judged about myself. Mm-hmm. So the other day, you know, I was so mad at him because he prioritizes CrossFit and he makes time for it. And I'm at home doing these things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm not mad at you for taking care of yourself. I'm mad at me for never taking care of myself. Mm. I'm mad at you that is so for prioritizing huge. your heart. And I don't ever prioritize mine because I don't have enough value for it. So huge. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah. there's freedom when we get to that place. Oh, but yeah. it also takes an immense amount of self-awareness and the willingness to take responsibility because you have to not be the victim, right? Yep. You have to be responsible. My goal is to teach Christians how to be self-aware. You just put the nail on the head. We're not self-aware. And most of the times we are victim of a Kesarasara God. If it happened, it's God's will. Man, I go into that deeply in the book. I mean, we create so he made us in his image. We're co-creators with Christ. He's not insecure when we stand up and we act like him. Mm-hmm. He's not insecure where, where I go, I am in your image. What do I want to create today in my world? Do I want to create peace? Well, you've stocked me with peace. My heart is a Costco full of it. You know, we go, God, give me peace. You're, you're a walking bomb of peace. God yeah. set me on fire. You're already on bomb fire. Of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We got to take internal responsibility. Well, and I love that because what happens is when we don't do that, I, I think when, when scripture talks about humility, I really think this is what this self-awareness and this willingness to take responsibility. That's what that word, I mean, the root of that word means to get low to the ground. And um, if we could really just recognize that any moment where we are, like you said, getting irritated, getting frustrated, and whether it's our spouse or our coworker or our child, I mean, talk about teenage parenting a teenager. I mean, it can get real in those moments where you're doing this projection thing because we're self-protecting, but really we're Absolutely. damaging our own selves, right? Yes. So you did individual work, but then eventually you had to do some, um, you know, conversation about it, but then you're at a much better place if you're both able to get to that humble take responsibility moment, right? So many of the issues that we would have had to deal with an account in marital counseling took care of themselves. Right. Because we never had to address them because we realized it's not even about you. It's about me. Right. So good. (laughs) Krista, that's going to change somebody's life today. Come on. It really is. Come on. (laughs) Preach the word. Okay. my life. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I know. And it's just beautiful how you're helping it change ours too. So Okay, so you're doing this internal work, you're coming together, and then tell us about March of 2014. So I had been building capacity for intimacy inside of me for the first time in my life. I I had removed my offense towards God, and I realized, wow, my offense towards you has actually blocked my heart from the solution that I need. I'm actually stiff-arming away the medicine that I need to heal. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally let down... You know, guarding your heart doesn't mean I got to keep my heart protected. It goes, no, no, no. I'm going to guard my intimacy with love at all costs and let love guard my heart. I'm going to let intimacy guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus as I stay connected to Christ. That's guarding your heart. So the more that I did that, the more I built capacity for a relationship with God for the first time in my life, not based upon what I did for him, but just being with him. You know, my whole grid for God making me was so I'd be an ant slaving for his kingdom. But I had I I had to move from slavery to sonship. I had to move from this ant role to this, whoa, if I never do one more thing for your kingdom, you love me exactly the same as if you do if I went out and saved the world. What? I mean, you want me because you want me because you want mm-hmm. me. The byproduct of that intimacy is that I can't shut up about you, but it's right. not why you made me. Mm-hmm. And so I started building this capacity. So on March 5th, 2014, Luke and I, you know, we were living in Texas and I had started the process of my pregnancy with my daughter with a midwife in California. And we'd had one ultrasound to find out gender really early on. So they weren't looking for anything, uh, you know, medical. 
And then we picked up a midwife in Abilene, Texas. And so on March 5th, when I went into labor, I was full term. And I gave birth to a beautiful little girl named Luca Gold. We call her Goldie. And she didn't have her skull in the top of her brain. It's a condition mm. called anencephaly. anencephaly. And so she lived for 40 minutes outside of my womb, the worst 40 minutes of my life Friend. where your daughter dies in your arms. Mm-hmm. It was my heart. And at that moment, of course, my heart shattered into a million mm-hmm. pieces. Of course. Of course. I mean, I, I was meant to nurture her until she, I'm made in the mother image of God. I'm created to birth things and mm-hmm. nurture them and make life. And your life dies in your arms. Your heart explodes. A bomb goes off. And I remember in that moment, everything, you're just in shock. Your body's yeah. in shock. Your your head's in shock. And I remember going, okay, I got to hold on to something. And I, I passed off her little body to my husband and he hit the wall and he just slid down the wall. And I looked at him and I knew I have to guard my, I've got to ground myself with intimacy right now. Hmm. And I, you know, I write worship songs and I wrote this song, wrote this song years ago, the the bridge, and it was theologically correct, but I'd never really lived it. Hmm. And I, I remember closing my eyes and seeing myself covered with intimacy. And I said, in death and life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your My debt is paid. There's nothing, nothing that can separate my broken heart from your great love. Nothing. I will not put you on the other side of the wall. I will not be offended at you. I will not block my heart from the medicine, the only medicine that will put this disaster back together. And I guarded my intimacy. And what was beautiful about that in the days and weeks to come, the the, the months and months, I had so much permission to be a hot mess. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we've got to be something more. No, we have to be honest. Yeah. I would wake up and I would be, God, I'm so angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, anger would be, of course I'm angry. Of course. Of course. And we stuff it down as believers. I shouldn't feel this way. I can't. You are poisoning your body, your soul, your heart by not letting that release. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I went, I closed my eyes. I saw Jesus. I saw myself covered with intimacy. And I, I was like, I'm so angry, Jesus. I don't know what to do. And he looked at me. He goes, punch me. I can take it. If you need somebody to punch, punch me. I can handle all of you. I can handle the ugly parts. I'm the person to take it. And I would just punch the crap out of Jesus. Just punch him and fall into his arms. I had so much permission every day. Some days I couldn't get out of bed. That's, That's what I had that day. God, you're going to make up for my son. You're going to, I can't, I got to be strong for my son. I can't be. My daughter just died. I'd pull my son into bed with me and go, let's just cry together. Bubba, mommy really misses Goldie. Mm -hmm. And we would just weep. My son would put my, his hand on my heart and on his heart. We just cry together. You know, I didn't pretend to be something that I wasn't. And I ran, see, we run away from our pain. I ran, I like, like a little boy named David charging towards Goliath, man. I ran at pain. I was like, I'm running towards you. I'm going to learn everything (laughs) I can in these flames. I'm going to, I'm going to feel everything. I'm going to, I'm going to let this fire refine me into pure gold. Wow. I'm going to become everything that you want me to be God. It's remarkable that you were able to do that. And I think it's because you had done already some heart work, a lot of heart work. work. You might not know, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. This is my 18th Mm. year. Awesome. um, In all those years, I have had one patient who delivered a term anencephalic baby. That baby lived, I want to say, a little over 48 hours. Wow. Um, because we were in a hospital, you know, we did yeah. comfort care and it, it depends on the level of the brainstem and all of that. But I wish and, and countless others that I've been present with when their babies have died. And right. um, it really is a holy moment. 
And yet I wish, you know, I never see them again. I don't know how they process. I know that the day that I'm with them starts a journey for their heart that is a really, really hard one. Um, And I just try my best to just be Jesus with skin on and touch and help them hold and do footprints and pictures. But I... I, my prayer as I leave the hospital each and every day that I have taken care of someone in that situation is that God would show himself to them in a way that's so real because without him and without running toward the pain, the the healing is delayed, Krista. The healing yeah. is not, um, I mean, it's already a long journey. You can yeah. speak to that, but yes. um, how much more tragic and long and arduous without without Christ. Oh, when um, you shut him out, you block yourself from the healer. Right. I was like, my heart is a mess. I need the greatest medical healing team on the planet. They already live inside of my broken heart. You know, intimacy, guarding my intimacy meant every part of my broken heart is still within arm's reach of Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he can weave it back together so much better and faster than I can. All I have to do is stay connected to love. Fear would rise up. Of course, fear would rise up. My daughter had just died. Fear plagued me for weeks. And I would go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fear tried to claw at my mind and Mm -hmm. take root. And I would go, oh, that's just my broken heart screaming at me. I got to recalibrate. I've got to reconnect to the love that I am never separated from. You know, our separation from love is an illusion. We cannot be empty. We cannot be separated from love. So my whole journey of this heart healing was going recalibrate, great Krista, Mm -hmm. reconnect to the thing that you're already connected to, consciously connect. And this is where that self-awareness comes in that I think is so important. Going, oh, fear's coming out of me. Don't demonize it. Don't be angry at yourself. Confess it and go, this is a tool to show me right now that a part of my heart believes it's separated. I just have to reconnect. I just have to consciously recalibrate to where I am hooked up to the fire hose, the ocean of unconditional love that is the solution for all of my problems. Which is Christ, right? Which is Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the love of God, Mm -hmm. which is everywhere. We got to quit trying to find God on the outside of us. Right. He has made his home on the inside of us. He dwells That's why in our hearts. Yeah. He dwells. Mm-hmm. And you being disconnected from your own heart means you'll never connect to him. Well, and he's not the one leaving. We, we're the no. ones that can shut him out. And that's why you're saying yes. so many times that scripture in Proverbs 4, people talk about guarding your heart against bad things. But I love how you talk yeah. about guarding the intimacy and connection we have with Christ in our hearts already. And it's guarding that and keeping that in our sacred space to be able to run toward our pain. Because it's like when I was reading your book, I was imagining that I get to lock, like I get to choose to lock arms with Jesus and together he goes, okay, you ready? And I say, yeah, I'm ready. He goes, okay, we're going to run to the pain. Let's go. We're going to run to the pain and I'm going to be like that that protector and with that it, that I was with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to do that wall thing around the flames and we're in the in the middle of it I'm going to heal your heart. You're not going to burn and it's going to be okay and I'm with yep. you and I'm never leaving. Yeah. But we yes. don't choose to lock our arm, you know? No. No. And what you said is key. Locking arms with Jesus is number one, because here's the deal. And I, I give this story in the book. My, my grandfather and grandmother had this creepy tornado cellar, creeper, that all their canned goods were down there, it, cobwebs, spiders, and it had one of those little like murdery light bulbs hanging <laughs> from the ceiling. That swings. <laughs> I would never go down there. I'm petrified to go down there. But the second my grandfather would hold my hand and go, let's go down to the basement, I wasn't scared. Because I was holding hands with somebody who could reach up and turn on the light. I never have to face my pain alone. And that's what makes this so amazing. People are afraid of their pain because they think that they have to go in alone. Mm -hmm. No, you start with your connection. And then it's not scary. Then you get to move in like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he's in there with you. And he turns on the light. And Mm -hmm. he protects you. And he keeps you safe. But he heals you 
in the midst of it to where that flame, that wound patches up and it does not define your life anymore. Right. Right. And because he is in the business of redeeming and redeeming is a process. I love how you also talked about how we need to take responsibility for bad things um, and that God isn't, you know, this puppeteer up in the sky. I think what was so powerful for me in my own journey of trying to wrestle with such a huge theological topic, for me, it was really comforting when I accepted, okay, I have a choice and I need to be responsible. But at the same time, God is all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent. He has known what I would choose since the beginning of time. Before I was even born, he would he knew what I would choose, what other people would choose, anybody I was in contact with, what they would choose. And he has purposed in his control, you know, to be able to redeem all of those choices in a way that is for our good eventually if we link arms with him and run with him through it. What's crazy, this is a crazy concept. The most powerful being in the universe limits his power to your choice. It's just That's profound. Crazy. It's humbling. The creator it's... submits himself to my bad creations. Isn't that incredible? Every day. Yeah. And that's what, I, you know, this Kesarasara mentality, I, I thought that, you know, I heard big concepts about God. He's sovereign. He's all powerful. I just thought that meant, well, everything that happened, he orchestrated. I mean, I had no concept of my free will. My free will chose to get drunk in high school, resulting in a guy crawling on top of me to do something that he shouldn't have, not because God wanted to give me a ministry to the sexually assaulted later on in life. <laughs> and my you own know? choices, you know, I chose to have an affair and get a divorce. And, right. and, and, and your pain. And yeah. yes. But see, we need to take responsibility for yes. that. But God, I think this whole concept of the foreknowledge of God, we can't understand that he already knew ahead of time what we would do, you know, and he works it. I know it is, but I'm, I'm glad that you're helping us be responsible because I think the victim plan does not work. It does not work because you, you, you stay in fear. See, the reason we can't feel God, hear him, see, I avoided my heart. When I realized he's waiting for me in the middle of my broken heart for the purpose of connection, I go into my temple every day. I connect Mm -hmm. with the source. And now I become the solution for the world's problem as opposed to being a victim of God, just waiting for something bad to happen. The kingdom, Luke 7, 21, it's within you. Establish this kingdom in your heart on earth as in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no divorce in heaven. There's no disease. There's no lack in heaven. How do I live that way in my internal realm? That shalom, that total well-being according to scripture, that sozo means fully saved, delivered, and healed. That is our inheritance as believers as we stay connected to this love. Yeah. Well, and I think some people get tripped up by the fact of, well, does that mean then that God... Uh, doesn't it doesn't isn't capable of having the power to change the the situations. But the thing about it is, he is, but he limits his own power because he loves. He wants authentic, real love from us, and the only way for real love to exist is for there to be a choice for it to be. What's crazy is that he goes, "Hey guys, you're the solution. You, prayer brings things. It changes things. You." You laying hands on somebody, you being the kingdom, you going into the world, you're my solution. You're God with skin on. And we go, and and this is what I think. I think we're going to get to heaven one day and we are going to be blown away at how many times he did intervene and we weren't destroyed and we didn't Mm -hmm. get in that wreck and we didn't have that disaster. I think we're going to be astounded Mm -hmm. that the goodness and mercy of God was protecting us and keeping us I mean, when I look at my kids, the crazy things they do, it is a miracle <laughs> that they are not. I mean, it's really a miracle. Like, how do you not have any broken bones? Right. How, how does it? I think we're going to be astounded at how yeah. how involved in our lives the goodness of God really was. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. He is good. Well, Krista, tell us some practical ways that we can guard that intimacy and really build that intimacy um, on a daily basis, if we choose to turn to our pain, I know your book talks about it a bit, but just a couple little practical things that we could start doing today. 
<laughs> That's so funny. I'm like, well, the first practical thing is go buy Heart Made Whole. <laughs> Go buy my book. I done. Like okay, done. Yes. <laughs> and they so can get funny. it on audiobook too. They can it hear it. It is an audiobook and I got to read it, which is really fun because I feel like there's a transference yes. in the authority of it because I really have lived this out. I was listening to it this morning. I love it. But really, you know, like I said earlier, the sermon, like hearing this podcast, hearing this message right now is not what's going to change you. It, it turns on the light. Now, tomorrow, it's your responsibility as a listener to pick up what you learned and apply it to your crazy situation mm -hmm. and apply it to your crazy head. So I like to resource people with books, podcasts, guided meditation CDs, you know, place things that they can put in their hand to go, I've got something right now. I have an assignment. I have to apply apply this to my life because the word goes in and illuminates, but then you've got to learn how to apply it. At the end of the, each chapter, I do your transaction or open heart surgery where I go, this is, this is your, this is your responsibility because like, like I said, you got to take responsibility for, for your disaster inside of your heart. I'm going to quit blaming everybody else. I'm going to quit blaming God. I am responsible right now for the for moving towards healing and love or for staying this way. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I do every day, I meditate and I want to teach the church how to meditate. They think it's so new age. I'm like, go read the Psalms on that law. Psalm one. Man, I have loved that on your podcast. Oh. I really have loved that. If if they I'm could putting out a CD. Oh, yeah, that's guided exciting. Love it. I'm so excited. Meditation just means to ponder deeply or mm -hmm. carefully. Right. So every day it only takes five minutes. And this is why, you know, that idea of a quiet time when it's a cerebral process and you're just reading your Bible and you're just um, taking in information, nothing changes physiologically in your body. But meditating, meditating actually changes your brain waves where your body, your physical body, your blood pressure goes down, mm -hmm. your body, your physical body aligns with shalom, with peace. Because you're connecting with something, someone who lives inside of you. So on a daily basis, I mean, I have this little ritual. I go in my head because that's where I start. And I, I link arms, like you said. I hold hands with, with Jesus because I, I never spelunk down into my heart without starting with connection. Mm -hmm. And then we lower down in our head. I lower down in my head and I see it. And I lower down towards this light in my heart because my, if I can view my heart as a place that is already whole, if I can see it as Christ sees it, then I can actually begin to live out that reality. We live according to what we believe. So if I can see myself as Christ sees me, I'm going to live that way right. more during the day. So I lower myself into the connection. I open the door to my temple. First um, Corinthians 3, 16, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I go in and I connect with love and I let that love go into the cells of my body. And if I've got a pain in a part of my body, I see that light, that love, that, that healing energy. God is energy. It's not a new age term. You're think about how much emotional energy it takes every day for you to hate yourself. I mean, it costs us energy, energy, the energy of our thoughts, of our emotions. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So every day, my whole day becomes about how connected, consciously connected can I stay to love, to the Holy Spirit, defaulting to his wisdom, being, and not like I'm just going to sit here doing nothing. No, I'm a, he loves it when, when I, I'm a co-creator and this is what I love and it's in my heart. And I, I've learned to really trust myself. Graham Cook taught me the light is green. It's yes and amen. Until <laughs> you feel it, like, go, go, let's, let's create. Let's, we just sit there so scared. Let's do but this. Yeah. When you feel the yellow yield or the red, then you stop, but just go with God. Let's just create. Let's be, mm -hmm. let's be life. So my whole day becomes about how connected can I stay consciously to love? And mm -hmm. my, my, my life goal is that someday there will be no separation from that consciousness mm -hmm. that I live in that ocean. Yeah. I love it. And I love that what, it's like dwelling in the stillness um, of yeah. the presence of Christ. And just the more we practice that, the more it just becomes ingrained in who we are. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a journey. We have to give our hearts grace 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. So I mean, good. even Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Even Jesus. Yeah. So he had to grow. So, yeah, we got to have grace for our journey. Well, Krista, I'm so thankful that you came to share with us today. I'm thankful for your words and your book and your story and how you're choosing to say yes and go with the green light. It's remarkable and amazing, and we will be blessed because of it. As you go, I'm wondering if you could tell us um, an inside scoop into the backstory behind any one of the songs that you've written. Just share with us a little bit about one of them that was special to you or meaningful to you? Because I know there's a process. I mean, it could be a whole nother podcast episode about creativity and, and um, mm-hmm. inspiration. And But you really, God has given you a gift and you've chosen to go with the green light on it. And uh, we'd just love to hear a little, little story about a song. Well, let's see. We'll just do the most common one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, years ago, I was living in uh, Redding, California, attending a church called Bethel Church. And um, my friend Brian Johnson had in worship just sang one day, just prophetically off the cuff, your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. It was awesome. But he kept, that's all he had. And he kept pairing in the set, when he would sing it again, he'd pair it with a stand. So he'd go into I'll stand with arms mm-hmm. high and art abandoned. I'm like, yeah, those two concepts. I mean, it works musically, but those two concepts, I was like, we could beat that. Let's 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 think of something better. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremy Riddle, um, years before, had written this. Um, he'd written like a, a higher than the mountainside, I face stronger than the power of the grave constant through the trial and the change and then he had something else it was like your love I don't want to stay the same like I don't remember what it said but it was another concept and um we were sitting there and I went what about if the second verse went and this never happens this happened like (laughs) twice I was like what about if it goes like on and on and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And, you know, something like, um, mm-hmm. and I'll never, ever have to be afraid. One thing remains. And we could do one thing remains in the first verse, two, And the whole thing could be called one thing remains. And they're like, that's it. There it is. And so then I went off and I think Brian and I had sat and we'd come up with kind of a melody to a bridge. And right before church one night, I come up to the guys and I was like, hey, I wrote this lyric, you know, in death and life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great, great love. And they were like, well, it's done. Great. Let's do it tonight. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> Tonight's the night. <laughs> yeah. And so we each had brought, oh. it wasn't like we sat in a room and we wrote the song together. Brian had started it mm-hmm. in worship where he'd come up with this amazing chorus. And then Jeremy had written this thing around it. And then I helped, I added my part with the second verse, the one thing remains. And then I wrote the lyric to the bridge and then it was a song. There it is. There it is. It's all history and then it's, now. And then on and on and on and on it goes. So, so on and on that it ministered to your own heart in the very depth yeah, of pain that sure. you experienced. Isn't that just um, incredible? incredible? Incredible. Incredible. God is so good. Well, Krista, go with God. Do your thing. Go with your green light. And I am so thankful for you helping us Thank make you. our hearts whole through turning to our unhealed pain and finding in that pain, our greatest strength. So, um, so thankful you've been here. Thanks again. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this episode. I'm so glad to be back joining you, and I hope you're having an amazing summer. I have two announcements for you before you go. The first one is I am giving away a copy of Krista's book, Heart Made Whole, to one of you, and I would love for you to be the one to win Krista's book. And so to enter to win, all you need to do is pull out your cell phone, which you're probably using to listen to this episode, and you need to text the words, Heart Made Whole, all together, no spaces, Heart Made Whole. Text that word to the number 33444 and reply with your email address and I will select one random winner to get Krista's book and I will mail it directly to you. And so I can't wait to see who that's going to be. I hope it's you. If uh, you don't win the book, go out and get Krista's book. It is a, a wonderful, wonderful book and I'm so thankful to her for writing it.
Now, the second announcement I am so very excited to talk to you about, to tell you about, to announce to you. Many of you know I've been working on creating something behind the scenes, a video course for you, and I'm super excited to tell you it's almost ready. I'm hoping to launch it next week just to a limited number of you for a limited period of time. I want to go through it with you and experience it in community with you, and I cannot wait to release it. But if you're interested in learning more about this video course, it's going to be called Connecting with Your Teen, Ways to Keep the Lines of Communication Open and Really Thrive in Relationship with the Teenager in Your Life Through the Adolescent Years. And I'm thrilled how it's turning out, and I can't wait to share it with you. If you want to be on the interest list for me to email you prior to releasing it to everyone, I would love for you to sign up for that and I can email you first so you will be the one to know first what's happening. So if you want to be on the interest list for the video course Connecting With Your Teen, I want you to text the word CONNECT with your teen to the number 33444 and just reply with your email address. I'm going to add you to that list and you will be the very first to be notified about when it's coming. And I'm hoping if all goes well, it will be next Wednesday. Anyway, I'm super thankful for you and for you joining me each and every podcast episode. And don't forget, if you aren't subscribed to the show, uh, I would love to have you do that as well. And if you have time to leave a rating or review, it would be such a blessing to me. I am thankful for you. My heart is that I want you to know that you are seen and you are loved and you are never, ever alone. And I can't wait to meet you here again next time. Have an amazing week.